0: Welcome to the Next Step Podcast with Jay. And Brad. Wait. Wait, I'm Brad. I'm Jay. I'm an uh, act. All right.
1: Sorry, we're rolling. Jay, Jay, what are you doing? What I was just uh, warming up my esophagus.
0: Say hi to the camera. What? Hello. How you doing? We're our new Brady? studio. but The Next Step Podcast
1: with Jay and Brad. Oh, Brad and Jay. I'm dyslexic.
0: I, alphabetical order. No preference on persons. And Brad Jay, and Jay. It should be
1: Brad, like, all caps, really big, and then and Jay, because Brad does all the work, and he started the whole thing. Uh, Anyways, go on. I could do lot so you.
0: What? I have to do a lot, but I... I wouldn't have all the work to do if it wasn't for you.
1: Okay, I'll go with that. Okay, go with that's that. okay, that's okay. good. Okay. So, how's your week been, dude? It's been, uh, besides the massive headache I had today, uh, it's good. It's really good. Life is good right now.
0: We are a week behind on uploading because right. we were interviewed last week by another podcast. Oh yeah, How'd guys, you I went?
1: If, guys, if you're listening, uh, it was awesome. The Cultural Hall, not, mm-hmm. not a podcast. He corrected me. It's a show. It's a show, yeah. I, but I it's you in your time. podcast app, so. Figure that out, but he's a radio guy,
0: he's a radio Richie guy, Richie T. Stedman. Richie's the man, and uh, I've been listening to his podcast for many years. Yeah, big fan, Brad is. I, I'm a yes, I'm I mean, a big, yeah, fan, big fan, yeah, but yeah, yeah. He's he to, definitely one I listen he's to. He's one of your podcasts, yeah, yep, one of your shows, one of my shows. He's a show. In yeah. the podcast lineup, it's funny. Like they've got all these these the terminology they use in it, which is really neat. Yeah. Um, so they've got a loyal fan base. So I appreciate anybody that's listening to us. That so, came from so us. So what's going on is that basically,
1: so we didn't really say we just started talking about, but uh, we got a, a text message back, a Facebook. Anyways, was a communication back and forth yes. from Brad to him, him to Brad, um, and we he invited us onto his show last week on Friday. And interviewed us about the whole program and the and the pod, our podcast, the Next yeah. Step
0: Podcast. And he was great. It so was cool. It's cool experience. He's so, the if man. you are a podcast listener, get over to the Cultural Hall and listen to his podcast. Uh, it's On all sorts weekly. of topics. It's mostly Mormon news. Yeah. And then they do some sweet interviews. They pull big guests like James the Mormon, like big Mormon celebrities. He's an yeah. X96 uh, producer, um, so I'm sure he's well known in Utah. Yeah, for um, sure. But so they're pulling in the Mormon celebrities and do a weekly news. So we kind of we kind of rip his news off. Just talk about a little bit of Mormon news, but mostly addiction news. Yeah. But uh, a great compliment having him on. Totally or having him have us on his. Totally, absolutely. Um, We're grateful. So, and one of the reasons you did not get his message is how's your social media fast going?
1: Oh yeah. So I decided, as if you're listening to the last weeks or the weeks before, maybe
0: we haven't been we, uploaded. We we. we Uh, Two weeks ago, we started talking about it, and Uh, then last... Oh, you shared
1: that article with me. You
0: shared the article about... With uh, Bill Maher. Bill Maher,
1: yeah. Bill Maher, the brain hacking, and and that guy, and I had already been feeling like I was getting a little out of control again. Sometimes I can lay in bed all night, even though I'm exhausted and tired, and I should be going to bed, because I'm getting up early to surf and work and do my life, and yet I'll just sit there on Facebook. I just literally... I'll put it down, pick it back up. Like, Brad, it's crazy. Like, I'll, I'll... I'll set it down, I'm like, I just want to go to bed. And then and then this is how I know I'm getting bad again, is when I can't even focus through a movie. Cause say I have a like really intense ADD, it. like real ADD, like where I like, if I, if my brain's going too much or I have too much caffeine or sugar, whatever it is, or I just got a lot on my plate, I get really weird. And like I can't even sit all like big Lexi, my wife, to watch a movie. And then we'll start watching the movie and boom, I'm on my phone and I tell her not to go. And I look at my phone, like it can get bad.
0: Yeah. I, and it's, it's
1: not that I'm like, oh, what is everyone doing? It's just like habit. It's no different than, I think before social media, I was tapping my leg a lot, like I was shaking my leg I'm, a lot. I'm moving <laughs> yeah. my leg a lot. Yeah, but uh, so
0: that anyways. is so. I, so I'm
1: being three weeks now. Off.
0: As I've said, for even the non-addict learning from addicts, like mm-hmm. if you can use the twelve steps yeah. to come off heroin huh. or any other massive addiction, yeah. you can use it to improve your life. So for I've sure. actually cut back quite a bit. Good. So hence our social media for the Next Step podcast Sorry, has been dramatically Lackluster. down. <laughs> Lackluster. Sorry. guys. Trying to like, get your wife on it. I know.
1: Like, And, and I wish
0: I was even... Everyone g- loves
1: Lackluster. I need a detox for a little bit, and then I'll be back on, posting all the time and the quotes. And really, i am just take those quotes from other people because that's how you learn is you listen. You shut your mouth and you listen or read. And uh, yeah, and so I took a fast. I'm on three weeks now, and I feel great. And No set time. I can could I, be back Can soon? I give a
0: suggestion for you that yeah. I've done? So well, I've learned from it. I've... Cut back, I've set specific times to look at. I even read that guy's media. article,
1: though. If, you're, if they're listening, the, the, I went to the actual guy who did the brain hacking, He wrote yeah. that book or whatever, and he talked about reprogramming your phone interface. Like, and I did that. I took, So I took off less. Look, can you find my social media on there? No, that's good. I'm like way, I don't so even know where it's at. So, where, oh, my phone's in one recording. Yeah. But basically, I for a while there, that first week, because it was really hard, by the way. It's just natural. You go sit down, pick your phone. You're in the waiting
0: room, pick your phone. Yeah. yeah. Here's what you're going to do. Duolingo. Oh, That's a good idea, dude. Instead of pick it up, it's right there where my social media used to be. I pop on there, and I'm like, "Here we go." I'm a, i are t- learning. How I'm to doing say 10, 15 minutes a day. Well, oh, how, how, how to learn language? Oh, dude, I like that. So how should about t- that I for brush you? Up on my Tagalog is is if you are like Jay and I, maybe spending a little too much time on the social media. How about you do some good on the phone? Yeah. Learn, learn another language. Duolingo I mean, is so awesome. It's free.
2: You Sounds just like practice it. They should
0: be paying us for this, dude. Duolingo, throw <laughs> us down some donations. Yeah, I just um, played Tetris. What? Go on. Yeah, but l- we use it to entertain. But how about I'm, no, trying to interta- just, I'm trying to entertain for good. Yeah, yeah. Like use it for positive because we, uh, whether we like it or not, this is a part of our lives. Amen. Um, you, can't, you can't. It's not all or nothing. So, but anyways, that's where I'm at. Helps on that. Okay. Three weeks. Good. Good suggestion. Have you seen any difference? What's...
1: Yeah. So biggest difference uh, present. With my, I got three little kids and uh, they demand a lot of time and I wanna give them time. Uh, but then also when I get home to give that time from a long day, if I'm driving, a lot of work, like that's, I wanna just freaking veg. Like that's the first, like if I was a football guy, I'd wanna sit home, right, and crack the, like, you know, you hear? Crack, this is my seven. Hop the top, eat the chips, watch the game. Like, well, I'm not into football. My sports are on only pay-per-view and surfing, <laughs> so it's like rare, right? There's a contest on right now. There is, but you know what I mean. It's not like you just go home, turn on the yes. TV, and you're there. Yes. So it's like, man, I just I would just sit down. So now I've, I feel way more present. And I feel, oh, I told this to someone today. I have no, I like I have really little anxiety. I feel like my anxiety's gone. What's that?
0: Por favor. Oh, sorry. Un favor. I'm just doing
1: some so, okay, while do you're lingo. Talking, okay, dude. Well, okay, I'm you talking. You were going on a little long. No, sorry. <laughs> what I'm trying to say, you asked me freaking how I was doing, and I'm telling you, I know. I feel less anxiety. So, hey, dude, if you have anxiety for no reason in your life, and
0: go ahead.
1: Oh my gosh, this guy. I'm gonna unplug his mic. <laughs> Un favor. I'm gonna smash your phone. Don't ever, don't ever bring that. Anyways, less anxiety. Go on. Okay, what's the news? Less Get anxiety.
0: Oh, um. Get the news. I love it, Jay. I'm just giving you heart. Yeah,
1: I know. I don't read any news. I know. And then so people, there's another thing, though. I feel but way out did, of the loop. But you
0: did, the only place you did read news was on Facebook. That's what I'm saying. So now yeah. I feel real. People are like, did you hear it? I'm like, oh, yeah. crap, what? So I got some things to tell North you. North These are all be like, surprising. All these crazy Actually, news. before we do that, let's talk about, I, we haven't talked about kind of like our listenership. Oh, yeah. So just in the last week, um, look at how many countries, dude. Whoa. 136 countries listened to our podcast last week. Dang. 136 countries. Wow. The U.K., besides the United States, you got U.K., these are the top other countries, U.S., U.K., New Zealand, India, Canada, India? Samoa, and wow. Sweden. Um, wow. And doesn't list the other ones, but I thought that's uh, pretty crazy. And our top city, wh- uh, what state is that? M.E. What? <laughs> Lewiston, M.E. What state is M.E.? Missouri?
1: No. <laughs> that's M.E. <mine>. No, wait.
0: <laughs> M.E. state is abbreviated. We're looking, we're Googling it. Holy crap. Maine. Oh, Maine. Augusta.
1: Okay. All right. Hey, There's Maine a lot of listeners, there. Wait, a shout like out. That. We got
0: a little pocket going in Maine. Dude, who that's like in that's like a Maine? thick pocket right there.
1: Yeah. Hey, I don't. Even, I don't know anyone in Maine, and Me if either. I do, then I didn't know you were there, so
0: you should reach out and say hello. Awesome. We got East Coast. Like we got Keep Massachusetts going, on here. Wow. Um. But we kind of got a lot we more in Utah. Met,
1: we. This is like we met someone. I am mean, obviously, we're not gonna say who it is, but he's been listening to the podcast for a lot. He showed up to our local meeting. It's always. It's kind of. That was kind of
0: weird. And cool, it's like, it's like cool, like wow, like he's like, hey, nice to meet you, finally. And yeah, like, and I'm like, whoa, well, how do you know me? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I'm podcast, dude, it's just so, awesome.
1: Man. Like I said, if I was new in recovery and I, my life was in shambles, like it was, and I found this thing, it would have helped me a
0: lot. And that's one of the biggest it's humbling. Things. And it's awesome. I've never experienced that. So fifty six people just rocking. Um, that was in that one town. Yeah. So, anyway, one little town. It's uh, it's pretty. Uh, there were uh, the
1: reason why I say the number is cause my first meeting
0: had five people, and that's mm-hmm. all was there every Thursday night. It's shocking. I don't think we're bragging. We're just like, holy cow, really? Well, this is awesome. Okay, we'll keep doing it. Anyways, so, Tiger it Woods. Oh yeah. So what happened, man? He got arrested. They thought it was DUI. They pulled him over. Look at this picture of him. Look at that picture right there. Gosh, and that guy, the, everyone, the you compare like the Michael world. Jordan. Yeah, he is. The Tiger Wood, like you you compare him.
1: He is. Uh, he's the man.
0: And uh, that picture. Let me introduce you to the Ultra Florida ads. Little ad there, but uh, oh, he's not looking good. Tiger. So let's see if this plays up here. Uh, oh, we got to hear the ad. So, anyways, he was not drunk. He blew a zero zero, but he was on a lot of prescription pills. and. Oh, uh he uh, had some recent surgery. Sound familiar? Oh, wow. And was out driving. Uh, I wonder driving. what pills he was on. Um, well, didn't say. Not that we know so far, but I'm sure the story wow. will come out. Um, Poor dude. So if we... The, dude, this disease affects it, everyone. Even the greatest, right? Yeah, you could be the greatest of anything. That's a crazy, you know,
1: I think that's it down there.
0: Um, didn't say they're just breaking news. So, anyways, okay. but I won't go in there. Anyways, you know, other ad- addiction news, it was pretty sad for me. I've been uh, listening to a lot of Chris Cornell, Soundgarden, Audio Slave. Yeah. Um, he uh, uh, not overdosed, but he committed suicide. Um, Marley. And he's been long time recovering. In
1: and out one, right?
0: yeah. In and out. One, one of the greatest concerts I've been to is I surprised Julie. We took the train down to San Diego third row Chris Cornell solo down at Oh, so at you've it. seen him live, too, Yeah, like, from trip. me to Like, you've actually that seen away. the dude. And then yeah, he's he just he's incredible, gone. incredible singer. And he talked about de- depression bad. and about recovery during his, his one-on-one. Like, it was a, just a solo set. Um, but interesting is he was prescribed medication that a lot of doctors are saying he shouldn't have been prescribed, um, particularly given his background of addiction and depression. Uh, mainly addiction, so I guess there's some certain drugs that if you have addiction, it just triggers it right back. And it's very important to be honest with your doctor and maybe get multiple opinions and be honest about your addiction. I feel like if you're an addict, you shouldn't take pills, but it's just me. Um, but uh, oh, that's okay. Our screen went dark behind yours.
2: Keep going, keep
1: talking. No, yeah, I was just saying, like, uh, I mean, I know tons of addicts who are. Well, have to be on certain, prescriptions.
0: certain medications. I was listening to Dr. Drew is what, is today what you're saying, that is, I sent you is, is you there a certain careful. medication that are immediate triggers to go back into addiction? For sure. And it, it, he was talking about the certain chemicals and the triggers that... Well,
1: all these pills are designed, especially antidepressants, are designed to give you dopamine. Like that's what they're trying to figure out is how to tap in. What do you think is... That's what, well, that's what all the drugs and alcohol and stuff is designed to do as well. You Know the opiates and the and the benzos, so they're all really hitting the same spot, right? Yeah, so if you're an addict, like and you take it, you know what I mean? I so feel he like took,
0: he took the drug Ad Advan. Oh, Advan, you heard that? Before? Oh, yeah, snarly. So, is that an antidepressant? Um, oh, anti anxiety pill. Yeah, it's a benzo. Um, it's like Xanax prescription. He had a prescription. Let's see here. Dr. Pinsky worked with it. Everyone, musicians, everyone, day, folks said Cornell should never have been exposed to Ativan. He said benzo, Benzo. benzo as they call them, can make people suicidal. It's a hidden epidemic people have gotten to remember. We've get awareness about opiates, benzos over a long term, periodically, and by long term, I mean more than two weeks are very dangerous class medications and extremely dangerous if you have history of addiction. Because of the
1: addiction, yeah. Like, I mean, even if you don't have a history, you, trust me, you're going to have a history after you start taking some of this. And I've had people come up to me and go, because I talk about them? some of my shares that, you know, I used to be prescribed Xanax and all this other stuff, but... You know, now I live a life that has great days and f- days full of anxiety. But you know what? I, I don't have to worry about suicide from a pill or or overdose from a pill or more depression from a pill. That doesn't mean I'm, you know, like free. It just means that like those, those are, I've cut a certain risk, right? A big chunk of big chunk of, of risk out. out, yeah. Where before it was it was like gambling every time I was on a new pill.
0: Yeah. So they would
1: work for a little bit. Like even like before the drugs with opiates, like the, the doctors prescribed several different. Pr- uh, antidepressants after my mission and uh, yeah it just a, it was a dark time. So anyways, so make sure you're honest family, just be honest, yeah, right? Yeah, talk At to step,
0: people. We're 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 all about step 1. Today's step is step 1 and so it's all about just being one does 99% honest honesty work? No. No, no, no. Okay. So I check know. out this my next I mean, news absolutely. article is Uh, psychologists say everyone is keeping 13 secrets. So they did the study. They asked 1,000 participants to describe a secret they were keeping. They categorized them into 34 categories, harmed other persons, drug use, habit or addiction, theft, doing something illegal, self-harm, abortion, trauma, lie, violate trust, romantic desire, romantic discontent, it goes on and on and on. Um, So then they had 13 common secrets um, that on average... A person currently keeping 13 secrets. Wow. And then the most common, 60%, was a lie or financial impropriety.
1: What does that mean, being
0: uh, Being dishonest. Oh. So I know a handful of people in the church gone to jail for financial impropriety. Yes, you have. Um, uh, various church leadership positions. So, yeah. uh, and that one is, you know, we, we talk about the sins that you can smell and, and see, but the business deal, in immoral business dealings has... As uh, that's financial priority. that's being dishonest, your fellow man. Once in.
1: again, we should look at it as like, hey, like we're not we're not exempt in the church from harm. No, like just because you're a member of the church doesn't mean that it's, there ain't wolves in sheep's clothing or totally. people that are just in an addiction right. to greed, greed and money. money. Yeah. Like I
0: got to keep this lifestyle up, yeah. so I'm gonna start cheating people. Yeah. i borrow money, quote borrow money over here to pay this, or yeah. you know, it, have this front that they're someone else instead of being honest. Like, yeah, you know what, I lost it. Yeah, my business went bad. Yeah. Or whatever, so.
1: And then what was the other 47% one?
0: 47% violation of trust. 33% theft, a hidden relationship, or oh. discontent at work. Oh, discontent? Who's yeah. not discontent work? <laughs> <laughs> that's the small one? <laughs> that's that. But that's of uh, the secret. So the burden, Man. here's what's interesting. The study found that secrets weigh on us, even when there's little dangers that, that they will be uncovered. Conscience? Wow. Like, that's just... That's crazy. That's, uh. you know, I think a lot of... Church culture, I I guess people that are disaffected with church are like, you know, they think that once they don't believe in the gospel standards, they're
1: going to be free. They're
0: going to be free of this. They
1: won't feel guilty anymore. They're Um, they're not going to have... They think that that... What I've heard them say is they think that the conscience that we would call conscience, Mm -hmm. their spirit or the holy... They think that that was force-fed. That's not actually their voice. It was something that was fed to them as a kid. It's not really real. Like,
0: and and meaning, this is a really interesting, to you, because you're joining I'm the America, church. And you yeah. didn't have any of that. I,
1: that's this crazy. No Bible, no religion, no church. Mm-hmm. Once, not once, not once. I thought God was an adjective to a swear word, and that was what it meant. And however, as I got older and had more experiences in my life, of trauma or whatever it was, or experiences that were negative, I found myself having a desire to pray. How did I have? How, you know what I mean? Like, like I remember there was a couple times where there was like scared moments in my life that I, would, I remember praying to God, like, God, I don't know if you're there, but if you are, like, whoa. And then, like, this feeling of, like, uh, I had a conscience for what I was doing, like, even though it had never been told to me. It was, I might as well have been a kid in Ethiopia, put it that way, never heard of Jesus Christ. Which, like,
0: which is refreshing to hear, I think, uh, you know, I, growing up in the church, you wonder, like, I wonder if I have this back just because I was taught since I was a young kid. Yeah, yeah, And your brainwash. And, and that's why I think members of the church love to hear converse stories, because I believe that. But I have never experienced what you've said, and so when you share, I'm like, boom! Like, okay, that that just counters all the uh, the to show you how far off I was from Christianity. I didn't
1: know till 17 that Easter had anything to do with religion. <laughs> 17 years old. 17 years old. I was at a church, and they were talking about the rock and the stone and all this stuff. I'm like, what? And then my the girl I was dating at the time looks at me, I'm maybe 16, 17, and she's like, Wait, you tell me you didn't know like Easter? I'm like, I I thought it was about to eat like the Easter I thought that's something you do when you're a little kid. Yeah. I had no idea about Christ. Thanks, like, dude, I just, I didn't, I didn't know. And,
0: Christmas. And the missionaries didn't do a brainwash spell on you? No, man. <laughs>
1: nah, dude. It, it was, it was, uh, it was, it was as real as the stories you read in the book of Mormon. Like, I felt like we're in the Old Testament. Like, I like, you know, I like Moses' story. I've always liked that story. Because I keep, when he learns the truth about who he was, so you can look yeah. at it as like when you hear the plan of salvation. Yeah. You're like, well, then I just want to strip this, like, life off and be, find out who I'm supposed to be. That's kind of like what it was
0: like. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, back to 100% honest. Yeah. Um, That's interesting. The, the, the interesting study. These psychologists, who, who I'm sure are not necessarily God-fearing folks, maybe not, they found that secrets weigh on us. And that is the truth. That's tr- I've heard t- in
1: a meeting that you're only sick as your darkest secrets, or sick you as go. your secrets.
0: Measuring the frequency of mind-wandering into one's secrets, the study found that people dwell on their secrets on a more frequent basis than when they are actively concealing the secret from a person or group of people. Wow.
1: So meaning afterwards. Yeah. You think about it.
0: So just yeah. So that's why number one step, get honest. Get, get, honest. get those secrets yeah. out. Yeah. And then the fourth
1: step you just dump all that in the fifth yeah. step.
0: But so yeah. so first step is we're gonna talk about it in your share, but just being honest with you're an addict. Totally. And um, I'm
1: secrets and lies that go into your wife, Bishop, you, however it is?
0: You mentioned, I think... Parents. Uh, we're going to hear it later about your share about, uh, you know, I'm Jay. I'm a son of God. I'm Jay. I wouldn't admit that I was an addict. Why? Well, I didn't want to say... It's not
1: that I didn't... Well, yeah, it, in the beginning it was admit. There was two things. In the beginning, I really didn't believe I was. Then it went to a phase where I knew deep down that I was, or I knew just under the surface that I was. But if I ever said that out loud, like if another human heard me say that, like my wife wife's parents family then they'd have leverage on me and then that means i can never manipulate them again because i gave them ammo i gave them the tool
0: gotcha you know, right
1: like i yeah. gave them i like i showed them my weakness and i was like i needed these pills like i had a prescription for these things did i had a prescription for 300 but i was taking 900 do the math yeah, like yeah. i was stealing them from other people getting them so, on the so so
0: by admitting it that's being honest because then you gotta you gotta accept the ramifications of that yeah. and accept maybe changing
1: yeah, I did. Right. yeah, it went back to like when I joined the church. I remember telling Heavenly Father, if he told me it was true, like really told me, not like a feeling. Like if he told me that it was true, I told him I'd never quit. I'd do whatever it takes to whatever he wanted me to do, right? Serve or whatever. And <laughs> that's how this is. It's like you have a lot of fear in the beginning. I heard someone say tonight that if I say, I, I'm, say I'm an addict or if I come and do this, stuff, well, what does God have in store for me? It's scary. Like, what, am I going to?
0: Because it's an unknown. You yeah, know what the it's other unknown, is. unknown,
1: yeah. It's more the fear of the unknown. There's uh, studies on that. Too, we we church culture,
0: words, we kind of, we kind of tease. I don't. Know, we don't verbally tease, but we kind of chuckle under our breath. Like, I'm a sinner. Like the born again evangelical. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm born again. Like yeah. I'm a sinner.
1: But I wish we took it a little more.
0: But that's really what it is. We're saying, "Yeah, I'm a sinner. Yeah. I'm an." Ad, like, it, it, yeah, in yeah, in I'm sense, surrendering, and I'm surrendering. In a sense, so, sometimes
1: they take it so li- like they say it so much, it, it's almost like it's lost its meaning. But I feel like we could say it a little bit more.
0: I agree. We yeah. Come, we come together. Say it come, a little less. We need to say it a little more. Yeah. Yeah, you don't mean to it on the
1: street corner, but like you need to, like some some Mormons, right? All of us, right? Need to admit that, hey, like we're just because we got the restored gospel in life does not mean we don't need grace anymore. Just because we have the, you know what I mean? Yeah,
0: like well, I've arrived to, or a, or that we're tempted, or or whatever, or whatever. whatever. Yeah, we have tough Before days, we about all weaknesses, of those
1: things, millions of things you could be. Anyways, so. so that's a good study.
0: Um, well, that, news, man. that's it for news today. Thanks. We'll now turn the time over to our facilitator Jay for the sharing portion
1: of the meeting. I'm Jay. I'm a drug addict. Hey,
0: a drug addict. Get that out right.
1: A drug addict. <laughs> I'm on drugs, Tylenol. But um, I've had a headache all day. Um, honesty step that I could not even comprehend, let alone live by, let alone commit to living by. Five years ago, when I first went to my meeting, four and a half years ago, there was just like I was so in denial about who I was as a human being and everything that goes with it, and there was just uh, Xander was there at my first meeting, took me there, and uh, I'll, I, I argued the whole way there, like that I wasn't a drug addict like he was, or I wasn't a drug addict like the people in these rooms, or I wasn't, you know, I was special. I, I needed these, these prescription pills that I was abusing, and I needed this, and I needed that, and it was this person's fault, it was God's fault, it was whoever's fault. And were just so many lies, and uh, it was so thick that there was no way it was gonna just go away in one meeting, and it didn't. Yeah, you know, um, I went to that meeting, and I I don't know if I felt anything besides more anger, you know. And and I lied to myself the whole time I was in there. I was on drugs probably when I was there. And, um, but you know, later as I kept going back, kept going back, when when I read this today, you know, fast forward now, um, four and a half years later, I realized that. This is me in so many ways i started taking drugs when i was younger before i was a member of the church because it was the thing like it was a way for me to connect with other people to feel like i was special or in and i felt like i could be accepted and um that goes with other behavior because that's just that's just what i thought everyone did and that's how i was going to be accepted and if i didn't do it i'd stand out so i didn't want to stand out i wanted to be in i wanted to feel um appreciated and accepted but then when I found the church I put those things away and I thought it was good I was like I got the gospel I got the spirit I got the priesthood I'm going on a mission like my life's gonna be I'm rewriting my history like you know I'm it's gonna be a new life and I'm never gonna ever go back to those things and uh, lay down those weapons of war and I'll never pick them back up and I had that every intention of that being the case and I'll never forget as I've said before I had an illness on my mission um, I had to have surgery and I had, kept having these headaches reoccurring very bad I had cysts that had formed in my sinus cavities. that were going to do sinus surgery. And this doctor had prescribed me. And I'd never been into prescription pills before that. I'd never taken one for a high or anything. And um, I didn't even know what they were. I didn't know the difference between hydrocodone and all the stuff I know now, unfortunately. And uh, I, I just, I remember him saying, when you have pain, God gives us modern medicine. You take this pill. Like you know, I told him, I was like, ah, I, don't, I don't want to have to like take something to make me tired. He's like, Sam, you, you'll be fine. Like you take this, you'll be fine. And sure enough, he was right. Like, it, <laughs> I took it, and I wasn't tired. I didn't have any pain, and I was fine, and I was more than fine. In fact, like, I thought I was Superman. Like, I was a super missionary, and, like, it took my pain away that first time I took it, and it was it. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a dare commercial, like, when you're a kid, and you see it, and, like, you can do it once, you're hooked. Like, a, like a, literally, like, a hook, because I was hooked. It was one of those things where it was, like, it awoken my being. Like, you know what I mean? It took all the physical pain that I dealt with for a long time. Headaches, you know. It took emotional pain away. It took all these pains away. And uh, all I had to do was take a pill. And I had endless supply, you know. I, I mean, in the beginning, you know, one last a long time, you know. It was probably high the entire 24 hours off of one little pill. Later, I had to take handfuls, and it wouldn't even get me high for 10 minutes. But, uh, so, like it says, this book is me. Like, this book is me. Like, I felt like whoever wrote this is me, you know. Like, they... They were following me and they were writing this stuff down. And when when I was finally honest with myself and I went to read these things personally, it's like, man, how do you know me? Like, how do you know me? It was so refreshing because when I was finally humble enough to read these things and be real about it, you know, like not just read it because someone else was watching, but read it for myself because I want to become better uh, as a better person. uh, I was just like, man, this is so freeing to know that I'm not the only one because I don't know anyone who wrote this. I don't know them by name. I don't know who they are but they know me and that means that there's someone else out there that's like me that has the same physical, mental, spiritual weaknesses that I do. And they also have a lot of the same strengths. And uh, being honest took a long time, but I'll never forget when I first uh, in my, uh, maybe two or three months into it, but I remember finally saying, I'm J. am an addict. And I meant it. Like I was like, like I meant it. I think I cried when I said it right in the beginning of the meeting. And Before that, I'd always say the stupidest things after my name. I'm Jay, i I'm son of God. I would say the dumbest things, man. I was so foolish, like, so bad. I would, like, you yeah, guys don't even know. I was so full of it. And I finally, and I would, you know, it's funny because I've seen people come and do that. And I'm like, I just remember where I was at. And I have, I have nothing but hope because I'm like, Dad, I was there too, you know. I mean, if I can get out of my lies, then you can too. Uh, but I remember when I said I was an addict and I meant it. And I was like, I had finally come to the terms that my life was in shambles, my wife had left me, I was sleeping on my mom's couch, all these things that had happened because of me. And it wasn't God's fault. It wasn't Lexi's fault, it wasn't the doctor's fault who wrote me that script, it wasn't my mission president's fault, it wasn't the bishop who disfellowshipped, you know, it wasn't these people's fault, it was my fault. And that was okay and that God had a plan for me if I would just surrender. And I heard in that same meeting in San Clemente that, you know, when you surrender, you don't lose, you join the winning side when you think about that, that's true. When, when an army surrenders the other one, the other one's obviously won and got them to surrender, right? Well, in this meeting, when you surrender to this group, you're now part of people that are living their life in a sober manner and are giving back to their families. They're not taking anymore. They're giving and they're not perfect, but they're trying so hard to live each day in amends for their history. And that's the side that you're joining if you come here. Whether you've already been on this side and you left and you came back, it doesn't matter. Like you're here now. You're back. You're surrendering to this side. I promise you you're joining a team that has your back. There's people in this room that I know that if I picked up the phone, they would answer in a heartbeat and drop whatever they're doing personally in their life and would be there for me and my family. I I don't think you get that in life until you give back. And uh, so if you feel kind of alone, surrender and join the team join the winning side. And and honesty is a very freeing principle, and it's not one that you just do once. I, I learned that in this program, that there's other things that I had to get honest with. It's a progression. It's a progression. It's an eternal principle, meaning it's never-ending. I still have to get honest today about a lot of things. And uh, it's freeing when I do. It always is. It's never a big bad thing. It's always a good thing. I'm grateful that we have newcomers here. I'm grateful that we have same faces here. I'm like, I'm, I just can't wait to hear you guys' shares. I really, I live for these shares. They keep me going. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: Jay, we got an awesome person tonight. We have Trevor. Trevor, what's up, man? How's it going, guys? Man, this is great. Where, where are you at,
2: Trevor? I am in Salt Lake City, Utah.
1: Boom. All right. The motherland. The mother, the mothership of the Mormon hub. Uh, I love it up there. I lived there for a yeah. while. Lexi hates it. My wife hates it, but I love it. She hates Salt Lake? No, she hates South. Utah, just okay. in general. But she's, uh, she's I, from Tehach. I, I know. One. She's from an area that's not even like <laughs> it's Southern like California. Utah. It's, yeah, it's like she's like <laughs> desert, mountains, snow, like... I don't know why she didn't like it. I loved it. I love Salt Lake. I love the
2: whole atmosphere up there. Yeah, me anyway. too. I love it. You couldn't been,
1: leave. Yeah, I would say you born and raised there.
2: Yep, born and raised. Went to school at BYU and just couldn't leave. Nice what, man.
0: Why are you on a podcast that talks about addiction recovery? Yeah. What brought you here?
2: Um, I am a sex addict. Oh, nice nice yeah
1: nice. yeah that's good i know because you're a sex addict let me no, no. guess in what's, recovery what's great is because he said he he admitted. said it yeah he admitted yeah. it right there so so did so you reach out to us through our social media page
0: how'd you find out about our podcast yeah how'd you hear about the
2: podcast first uh, my wife actually introduced me to you guys oh sweet and how'd she hear um she's always on the lookout for good podcasts especially like recovery stuff yeah and so i have a pretty long drive to work every day and so i like listening to different recovery podcasts and she found you guys and i started listening
1: oh shout out to your wife wife, she's awesome yeah no we we were when i first got sober i've just started kind of listening to podcasts um some non-church ones and i didn't find any that like really clicked with me i think uh I was trying when I first got sober, as I mentioned before, to like kinda not go to the secular meetings like AA and NA, not that I had anything against them. I just I was already so lost in the church that I was like, man, I need, I need to just stick with what I know and, and, and believe and I the, luckily the church had a meeting down here, so I was just going to that and I, I remember looking online, I couldn't find any church ones and so I just
0: didn't look again. So where did you when did you discover that you were a pornography or pornography or sex addict? You identify Um, as a pornography or sex addict. Yes both. It is both. Okay, so
2: I mean sex addict is just a broader term That kind of encompasses pornography and you know, whatever else Um, But yeah, I'd say I first realized it when I was probably 14 or 15
0: Actually, you realize like this is a problem
2: Yeah, I actually I remember this is like a very clear memory for me. I remember fasting in ninth grade because uh, I, I knew this was something that was just messing with my life and I wanted to stop and I had faith that, you know, Heavenly Father could could heal me, could stop it. And so I remember fasting during school one day and a couple of people asked me about it, like why I wasn't eating lunch. And I just, you know, didn't really explain why. But I mean, from that point in ninth grade, I knew I knew there was something wrong and I couldn't I, I couldn't stop.
0: Did did you come clean to a bishop at that time or when your teen years?
2: Um, I did a couple years later. Um my addiction progressed a bit and so I started acting inappropriately with uh with a girlfriend. Okay. And went talked to the bishop and he had a he asked a really interesting question when I told him, you know, I'm you know, I messed up with a girl. He's like, Okay, well when was the last time you looked at pornography? And I was like, uh um You're
1: like, that has nothing to do with our conversation. (laughs) I didn't mention anything about that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Right? Really? Yeah, that was the first time I realized that there there was a connection there There that it wasn't just Yeah.
0: Now, now, I don't know how old you are, but um, I grew up in, both Jay and I grew up in California where, um, and I'm a little older, but like pornography wasn't super readily available when I was a kid. Um, probably more relevant, Jay, when your generation? Yeah, the internet, we was, just got our family computer and within like three years
1: after that, I was on there just with dial-up trying to, my friend had showed me, hey, if you if you type this in, I didn't even know how to use a computer. Like yeah. it was just starting to be normal that people had computers in their house.
0: So were you in the uh, age where it was uh, magazines and, you know, stores where they, you know, some dude had it, but Utah may not as prevalent as as other places? Yeah, like here at the – what he's trying to say is here
1: in Orange County, like every liquor store that used to be everywhere, right? There's not as many down where we live anymore. But 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 like – a but like they were down into a liquor store. Yeah, but like in mean, like Forest where I grew up, like they were right there in your face. So you go to the counter to buy gum, there was like pornography, like oh, right okay. there. But on could the you counter, buy it? you couldn't get no, it. No,
2: but like you better believe we were trying to steal it whenever we okay. could.
1: Okay. How was it like for you in Utah?
2: Um, definitely nothing like that. Like in most <laughs> of the grocery stores, they have like these little plastic covers for like the like Cosmo and those other kind of web or uh, magazines. So they they do a pretty good job of like keeping that away from kids. Oh yeah. But. Like one of the big things for me when I was young was just like the Sunday newspaper ads. Really, like you can flip through those and and see a couple of pictures of like women in the G- underwear. The JC
0: Penney underwear ads.
1: I used to steal my mom's Victoria's Secret uh, magazine. She heard like the catalogs yeah. that would come. They'd be like, "Where are those?" And I shouldn't be laughing, but anyways, they run under the bed. I was like eight years you old, had a- oh, wow. eight or nine years old. Like I was just yeah. like fascinated by like girls like from a young age. So I get it. Yeah. So, you, so that's it, cool that you said the correlation, because, like, I'm, yeah, that's, you go you in there. Good you, bishop, you Yeah, good
0: bishop, that's a good question.
1: So where'd it go from there? So you, he, he, you know, how does that go from there? You answer and say, well, actually.
2: Yeah, it was like, well, so, you know, a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> and he just talked to me about it, and, I mean, he said, you know, the best that he, he knew. He's like, okay, so, you know, next time it happens, I want you to memorize a scripture and say a scripture in your head, or I want you to sing your favorite hymn in your head until that, until that thought goes away. And I was like, sweet, okay, good to go. And so I tried that and didn't didn't help. Failed miserably. Yeah, it works for, you know, the time that I'm reciting that song or that scripture in my head. Yeah, but the one that you stop. It's like yeah. yeah, it comes back.
0: I think that's uh, that's a part that I've learned is the those things work for uh, like I'd say little things, you know, but addiction is you gotta it's got means it's got a, a grasp on you. And yeah. praying, reading scripture, singing a song—they're part is, of recovery, but part not. of it. But that's not powerful enough. It's not a power enough tool to weed it out. But would, would, that, would you agree that? with this,
1: Trevor? Like, because I, I, I get what he's saying is like when you've already opened that door. Like, maybe if if some of us it talks about in the AA book, the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, that if some of those people in there had quit in their early years of drinking maybe their disease wouldn't have gotten to that progression i think it's the Mm -hmm. same thing with sex or pornography if maybe that first or few times i looked at pornography like actual hardcore pornography with friends maybe if i didn't go home and look at it myself maybe it wouldn't have you know what i mean but as soon as i opened that door and then joined the church six seven years later when i was 19 it was very hard to shut that door
0: it's like yeah like the tool like those tools work for me. Like, I'm hanging out with my number of friends. They pull out a pornography magazine or video. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, that looks pretty good. That looks appealing, enticing. You know? But then I quickly, like, dude, you know, yeah. hope to call me on a mission, sing yeah. the song. I'll go skateboard outside. It gets the thought out of your head. It, got, it did. It worked
1: for As me. As a kid, yeah. it worked for me. But What was it like for you, Trevor? So you're 14, you go in there with the bishop. He tells you to do that, you try, you fail. Did you just go into hiding mode at that point? Because a lot of guys do that, but they don't talk oh, about sure. it.
2: Yeah, like, I mean, it felt good to go and confess to the bishop. Like, I felt that relief. And, you know, he talked to me. I felt super motivated. And then I tried and it failed. Like, it didn't work. And so I felt worse. And, I mean, like, what I was doing what the bishop said. Didn't help. You know, I couldn't stop. And so I just felt more and more hopeless. And so I had, like, yeah, I, I just felt hopeless. Like, there was nothing I could do that would help it. And so, yeah, I just isolated i wouldn't i stopped I stopped telling people and I mean then, the only person I really told was my bishop, but it it wasn't working and so it was like, so what's the point?
1: so did after a while you just stop telling him and then you like you then graduate through young men's, what goes on? do you go on a mission? how did that work
2: yeah so um i I would go and talk to my bishop every once in a while about it, yeah. but not not a lot um But yeah, like, I mean, went through young men's, graduated high school, uh, went to BYU. Um, I had to confess some things to my bishop before I could go. So I did leave worthy. Um, But I mean, the addiction didn't stop. Like on my mission, it it didn't stop. I didn't ever um, look at pornography on my mission, but I served in South America and there was porn everywhere, like everywhere. And so I didn't have to look for it. It was shoved in my face. And so, I mean, those two years were brutal. Like, the shame was so bad. And, like, I never told my mission president. And And when you say
1: shame, real quick. So when you say shame, because maybe someone's listening to this that can relate to your story. So are you saying, like, when you're out there, you're seeing this and you're kind of, like, fantasizing about it? Not necessarily, obviously, taking it home and looking at it. But, like, Mm -hmm. because you were like, man, I wish
2: I could get my hands on some of that when no one's looking. That type of shame? Yeah. Yeah, the shame of just knowing, like totally. you know, I'm su- I'm supposed to be, you know, a representative of Jesus Christ. I'm supposed to be righteous and spiritual, and and I'm struggling with the and with yet fish. you're, you're yeah. supposed to despise
1: that. Yeah, you're yet not. you're
2: kind of romanticizing it.
1: I get it, man. When I yeah. um, I I'd done pretty good. I was in the Philippines and there was a lot of that there, but I was in a pretty set track. It was such a culture shock for me. It was okay, but then when I got to I went to Seattle, um, the second half of my mission because I was back in America, there was something about being back in America with American women. And we started to teach this lady and she would answer the door in her ninety, you know, like it was, it was hard. And she was like from New York and she'd be like inappropriately dressed every time she was good looking. And that's when it all kind of the obsession I'd been good. I went worthy. I went, did the whole thing. There's like you did read the miracle of forgiveness, grin in my teeth and sang yep. those hymns. But, and I'd done pretty well until I got back to America. And for me, it was like, Whoa, and I remember feeling that guilt and shame, too. I was like, man, I shouldn't be this way. You know what I mean? And, yeah. And yet everyone around me doesn't seem to have those problems, which now looking back, I'm sure, Trevor, if you look back, knowing what you know now, there's <clears throat> more guys that were out there who had the same issues. If we'd all just spoke up, we could all help each other, you know? But Oh,
2: for sure. Yeah. So like right <laughs> after I got off the mission, I was living with some buddies and uh, one of them actually opened up to me and told me that he was a sex addict. And that was the first time I was I I said, like when he told me that I was just in shock and I was like, well, me too. And so that was the first time I had someone that I could actually that could like I could talk to about it. And it turns out, um, well, at least one other roommate that we had was a sex addict. but We had no idea. So we were all struggling with the same the same uh, addiction and didn't know. Wow, it's
1: crazy. And then so where does it go from there? Now you're you're off your mission. Are you, are you, as soon as you get home, did you struggle or did you go back to it? How did that work?
2: Yeah, I think, I mean, I got home and I was like, you know what? I, I you know, I made the decision that I'm going to be pure. I'm going to live righteously. I'm going to overcome this addiction. And I don't even know if I knew it was an addiction at the time, but I was like, I knew I'm going to overcome this. Yeah. And I think I lasted like two weeks. Yeah. And, you know, I fell again and it was, it was hell. It was so bad. Um, and then it was just a spiral downhill, um, yeah, it just, just so did, got worse. So did it worse. go from
1: the pornography into like – because at BYU, right, you're signing – I mean I went to BYU. You got to sign the sign the honor code and I remember yeah. a girl I was dating when I was really not doing good after my mission. I sound the same as you. you know, It lasted a couple of weeks and then I fell and I was dating this girl and she ended up getting – I ended up getting her kicked out of BYU for a time because she broke the honor code and let me sleep over and all this stuff. But mm-hmm. I mean um, did you have a serious girlfriend? You dating, are you married now?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm married now.
1: Okay. So we, we, you know, how, how lead us up to where you're at today and, you know, finding us and going to meetings.
2: Yeah. So, um, yeah, just, um, my addiction progressed. Um, not as far as a lot of people's like I was inappropriate with girls. Um, but it never got to the point where I guess my membership in the church was in jeopardy, which I'm, I'm very fortunate because that you're pretty lucky. it's, It's yeah, it's yeah like it, yeah. nothing I did kept me safe. It was, you know, any, I don't know. It was just a blessing that it didn't go further than it did because it's so easy. You get on this slippery slope of the addiction and it, it's a progressive progressive disease. It it's, it's so fast moving that anyways. So yeah. Um, yeah, I was going to school and the addiction just kind of kept, kept going. It would just kind of ebb and flow. Yeah, I know. Uh, I know you like,
1: it's like your little dirty secret for a while. Then you like you, you, you go, okay, I'm going to fast and do really good. You listen to a conference talk. You're like, okay, I'm going to be dedicated. You go six months, a couple months. I know.
2: And You go up and down. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly right. And, 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 uh, and like this, I said.
0: And this isn't a type of addiction that you smell. Yeah. No one can see it. see it.
1: You just feel it inside. No one can really tell unless you tell them.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No one. I mean, the, <coughs> the guys that I see when I go to meetings, I mean, I, you never would have thought that this guy, you know, is a. A porn addict or a sex addict, because it's just like you know the guys in your elders quorum. Totally, yeah. yeah.
1: And so, so now are you are you going to meetings? So, yeah. So yeah. when
0: growing up in the church, if you're like me, like you don't know about twelve step meetings, whether except on movies or TV, like you see sit in a circle and talk about it. When did you mm-hmm. first? Uh, did someone introduce you to going to a twelve step meeting? Did you introduce to ARP? Was it SA? What what meetings or where did you find sobriety?
2: Yeah, so um, that same roommate that I had that told me he was a sex addict, he told me that he goes to 12-step. Okay. And I was like, and he said it helped him. I was like, okay, cool. Did so he, I went with him. He referred to it just as a 12-step meeting? Yeah, he just called it 12-step. Okay.
1: And that's there in Provo when you were going to school?
2: Yeah, it was the, it was an ARP meeting that was just specifically for pornography addiction. Okay. And okay. so I started going to that, and it was, I mean, it was a big meeting. There were probably, I don't know, 50 guys maybe every, every meeting. Wow. And... Yeah, but it was it was crazy because I'd go and I'd listen to these guys, you know, talking about how amazing the atonement is and how they're so grateful that they could be in recovery. And they'd have like, you know, 10 days of sobriety or two months of sobriety. Hmm. And I remember seeing one kid that I actually knew from growing up, and he had seven or eight months. And that blew my mind that yeah, anyone, that that could, that much anyone could go that long. Out
0: of 50 people, one dude yeah. had seven months.
2: Yeah. <laughs> okay. And so it was, I mean... That, that bar, like for me, it was like, okay, that's like impossible, but it was also kind of hopeless because I wanted to go the rest of my life, you know, sober. Yeah. And it seemed like these guys were sober. And so it was You're like, I mean, if, was kind of if this is
1: sober, then I don't know if I want to be a part of it. It's only a couple of months.
2: <clears yeah. <clears <throat> it's like, I can just kind of do that on my own. And so, I mean, I kept going to the meetings cause like, I like I really liked them, you know, yeah. they're like these amazingly powerful testimony meetings. And I could relate to a lot of, you know, like these, these are, you know, other addicts. And so we're dealing with similar struggles, but it was just, it was, it was hard. Cause it, it's like, I don't see how this is really helping me. Mm-hmm. So then what? Um, my, uh, my stake had a, they called a retired psychiatrist to be the stake addiction specialist. So this is a single stake down in White or down yeah. in Provo. And so, yeah, they had this retired psychiatrist and I started meeting with him once a week and he and I worked the steps together. And so that was really the first time that I actually worked the steps.
0: Wow. Okay, he was like and your sponsor then.
2: Yeah, he so, was kind of like a sponsor.
0: So in, in these meetings, was there a, we've talked about it a little bit on our podcast, but it was there a culture of you got to get a sponsor. Uh, you don't I mean, most uh, AA or 12 step meetings have uh, tokens or chips for links of sobriety. Was that a culture in these meetings you went to, or was it? What was the meeting format, and how was the culture different?
2: Yeah, not at all. Um, I didn't even know what a sponsor was, even though even though the ERP
0: yeah. manual talks about a sponsor.
2: Yeah, like I had no idea. I I remember one guy said that um, the savior was his sponsor. Okay, and oh, wow. I didn't really know what like what does that even uh, mean? Yeah, I didn't know what that meant. <laughs> But, I, mean, I but, I, but if it I was makes run, sense if, if I was you're
0: running like, this meeting without you jay i'd have no idea because, i was gonna say if, yeah. if
1: putting myself back into the naive mormon i was for most of my membership i would think the same thing you know i used to say stuff like that like oh i'm not an addict i'm a son of god like i'm i'm imperfect and i need grace you know it's like all this stuff because it was just the blind leading the blind i had no idea what i was doing so now you're with the psychiatrist you're working the steps does that radically change your recovery at this point or, or...
2: yeah i feel like it did um so yeah, I met with him for twelve weeks and I looking back, I understand that he didn't really understand the twelve step program either. Because like he told me like, okay, you, you graduated. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, there you go. You're done. And I was excited because I mean just... it, it was awesome like working with him. Like working the twelve steps was great. And then I was done. So it's like that's the greatest thing ever. You don't have to keep working, you're you're just done.
1: That <laughs> yeah, um, wasn't that easy.
2: Yeah, me too. <laughs> but yeah. turned out it's not. That's not how recovery works. And so I, you know, I slipped back into my addiction a little bit. Um, But right about this time was um, I had started dating my now wife and um, I was open with her um, pretty early on. Uh, We were on a drive maybe a month or two into into dating. And she she asked me if if this was something that I struggled with. And I I opened up and I told her that it was. Um, Wow, that's pretty amazing. I don't think I've ever
1: I only know one other dude that like told his wife. You know, when they were dating.
2: Yeah. Well, she... Yeah, I wanted to be honest with her, and um, I definitely downplayed it. You know, it was something that I struggled with. Like back in the day, no, like okay. it was in the past.
3: Yeah.
2: Oh, for sure. The past being, you know, like two weeks ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so but, like, a little bit of a half-truth there. Yeah, yeah. So but, how'd that go? Uh, it went well. Um, it was actually really hard for her because she had seen how this had affected some of her... Um, loved ones, some people that are close to her, how this addiction could affect them. And so she had actually promised herself that she would not get involved with someone with a pornography addiction. Hmm. And it was, it, it was really hard for her to, to kind of overcome that. And, but part of it, I mean, she was very open with me. She's like, you know what, you know, I, I respect you for telling me, I'm grateful that you did. And like, she basically said, you know this isn't going to be a deal breaker for me if you always work recovery.
0: Did she use that as, did she use that terminology? Was she that familiar with it?
2: Um she was pretty she was pretty up on it. She's pretty good at research and so I'm guessing as soon as she learned, you know, this was something I struggled with, like she started reading books, she started, you know, looking up blogs and things like that just to learn all she could about it. Even when you um, were dating yeah, while we were dating. I remember, wow.
0: his wife's the one that's a podcast listener. That's like, right. On, so she's the researcher. Your wife's hardcore. We hey. need to have her on here. You I should.
1: Like, I like it. Okay, so go on. So so now you just get married, and everything's good, and you got this wife who's all into your recovery, and life's just a bliss.
2: Uh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. So she um. Yeah, so she was the one that really discovered SA. Okay. Um, it's another recovery program. It's another 12-step program that's it's Sexaholics Anonymous. And she was aware that um, ARP wasn't really helping me all that much. Like, you know, there, there was just something missing. Like, it, it just wasn't really clicking. And so she had done some research and found this other program, and she told me that she wanted me to go. And so I was like, you know what? I love you, and, I, you know, I want to be sober, so sure, I'll, I'll go. And so I went to my first essay meeting and it like blew my mind. I went in this room and they started going around. The first thing they did was introduce themselves and say how long they were sober. And the first guy said 12 years. And like, I, I was speechless, like just staring at this guy like this, this guy must have more sobriety than anyone ever. Yeah. For sexual addiction because yeah. I'd never heard of anyone having that much time. Totally. And then we just we just keep going around the circle and it's like, you know, twelve years, five years, six months, you know, a week or two, three months, fifteen years, eighteen years, seven years. And it was just it was Wow. Oh, I was filled with so much hope that like something's working. Like something's going on here that I can actually get sober. Wow. So what a paradigm you're, you're shift! You're
0: in you're in Salt Lake with this, right? Or Utah, right? <laughs> yeah. are, are these yep. members of the church? Um,
2: some of them. Okay. So Mike, my uh, mind's
0: reeling of like that's hopefully we can change culture in the church of like those guys need to go to an ARP meeting and change the culture there. Yeah. You know, get the gospel on top I I'm a I look at the twelve steps of S A A A N A. That's like a, a awesome Pentecostal born again church. Like they got 90% of the truth, let's just overlay what they got with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, and and I think that's in our, down here, Jake, correct me if I'm wrong, but guys like you and James and some of these other long-term, they've been to AA for many years, they bring these the traditions and the culture of what has worked yeah, in those 12-step meetings, and that's where we're able to see success. And the, the Mormon culture doesn't know. We have this manual that's awesome. Obviously written by someone who understands the twelve steps totally. from A and A, but then it's administered by dudes like me who are it's trying to run been, it like yeah. a Sunday school in
1: Elliscorm class. Totally. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, for those of you who listen, I've been to one A meeting my entire life. However, but
0: I have you indoctrinate yourself with I indoctrinated
1: yourself I indoctrinated myself, yeah. So once I realized, so once obviously I've been the more. You've been probably been to more AA meetings. Yeah. More a meetings. <laughs> I've only I've only been to one A men's meeting with my friend Andrew, who's been on the podcast. He took me when I was new in recovery, and for me, because I'm a convert and um, I could easily be this whole other person that when I'm around other people like that, it, it it could just anyways. I could fall back. I could see myself starting to smoke and drink and coffee, and coffee and, like, and, cigarette coffee and cigarettes. Something. Like those little things, swearing, having females yeah. in there too. You know, if it's not a men's meeting. What if I hook up with one of those, one, you know, because I was a sex addict too in my mind. And I'm like, I'm just an addict to everything, right? I identify as an addict, but like that encompasses the whole thing. And uh, so I was really nervous. But once I learned that all this program, all the ARP manual came from AA, then I just, I read everything I can get my hands on in AA. Okay. And then that's where I learned the history and that's where I became, it's crazy because I quoted all the time, all these quotes. But yeah, though luckily the guys who were running the meetings when I went, were hardcore AA guys as well, or NA or SA or, you know, CA, which is Cocaine Anonymous. So, I mean, and th- yet they were still, they were going to those uh, secular meetings, right, outside of the church, but they were still coming and supporting the local. Yes. Because this was day. one of the only meetings was on Thursday night in San Clemente. So they would support it. And gosh, imagine if I didn't have them as my foundation. I don't know. I for sure probably wouldn't have made it, you know. I would have had that same experience you well, had.
0: That That's a message I, yeah. I think you're trying to say is, and for those listening, if you're uh, in long-term recovery, get to a freaking meeting. Yeah, go, get out go there. Help. Don't hide your don't hide your recovery in your bushel. And if you're in a secular meeting, awesome. Keep going to that. But show up to the ARP meetings.
1: Support because, your local church meeting. Yeah, like the church needs you to grow. Yeah. I mean, you agree with that, Trevor? Do you feel like that's part of your life now?
2: Yeah, totally. Like, I mean, I went a long time without going to the ARP meetings because yeah, because found you found all those light. Long... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like all these old timers that are like legitimately like these old guys that have been sober for 20 years. Like it's so awesome to go. But I realized like, I mean, there there are guys in ARP that were struggling just like I was Mm -hmm. that don't like they don't like there's something missing. Like they need to have a sponsor. They need to have some of the little cultural things that don't seem like a big deal. But they give you so much hope.
0: Why why is that? Because uh, uh, I'm... Working with another group leader, and they haven't had those traditions, the sponsors. You know, they same thing. Like we don't have a lot of people's recovery, and I'm like, great. Well, we're who's the longest guy? Who's sponsoring? Who'd you sponsor? And it's just mm-hmm. that culture's not there. I'm like, well, that's why it's not, it's not working. Why? Why was that for you personally? Why do you think that sponsorship and having a sponsor and having going through the steps
2: with a sponsor made the difference for you? So I feel like. So I'm, I'm big into like climbing and hiking and stuff like that. Um, I do a lot of hiking in the winter and when you're breaking trail in the snow, um, it's so hard to be the first person to, to set the route, to set the trail, like breaking through that snow is so hard. If you're the second person, you can follow those footsteps. It's way easy. And you know, for sure, like, okay, if I follow my leader's tracks, I will get to wherever he is. And that's just like the analogy that always just sticks in my head. Like I have to have someone that's, that is where I want to be. And so having like being able to follow the footsteps of my sponsor, like I'll call him up with a question or like a struggle or something. And all he does is share his own experience. But I know that if I do exactly what he did, I'm going to be sober. And even if it's not what I would normally do, like, you know, he might react to a, a situation differently than I would, but I know that at least if I follow his example, I won't act out. I'm not going to relapse. I'm not going to lose my sobriety. And so it just gives me a path to follow. And so like, you know, being able to work the steps with, with someone that's already like really worked them and like lived recovery. It just like, it, it lets me see, um, kind of where I'm going. And it's also really helpful to just have someone that knows what they're talking about, you know, be able to like walk you through some of the like trickier steps, like step four is like super daunting Totally. And then you have a, a sweet sponsor who's like, you know, going to crack the whip a little bit or give you sympathy or whatever, whatever you need. Um, it just makes it so that you can actually work the steps and you can get out of it what, you know, what Heavenly Father wants you to. Because if you're if you're left to yourself and you're an addict, you have a, you know, a sick brain, you're going to justify all sorts of stuff. You're going to come up with all sorts of excuses. And you're really, at least in my experience, I was not able to find real recovery trying to work the program by myself.
1: Amen to that. Don't you feel like, too, when you were talking, I was thinking, too, not only with the uh, walking you through the steps and how to do it or giving you what you need, I feel like a lot of times being a sponsor, being a sponsor myself now, um, and I look back into how my sponsor sponsored me when I'd call him full of excuses and justifications or even just confessing things, you know? He was so good at breaking the shame cycle. Mm -hmm. I feel like in the beginning, an Anacasta, like, find that hope right until you find the hope which is that's why it's step two right like so i admitted, right just like you did it a long time ago but like until you find hope you really can't really work the other steps you can do them but um you'll maybe do them half-heartedly or you maybe you may do them with not full in with all this intent and really believing that it will change right because without hope that you can change and and that you are a decent person and you know you have strengths and weaknesses which you find out later in these steps and you're just like everyone else but and I feel like at the beginning, like even now, I feel like a lot of times when people call, like all they do is just help them not feel shame. Like all mm-hmm. they're doing is just trying to tell them like, hey, dude, I get it. Like I I'm, I, I, I'm I and many others and I share detailed stories about my own life and then I'll share stories of other people's without saying their names. And just, you know, hey, the, I know this guy that did this and I know this guy that did that. But look at look at where they're living now. Look at where their life's at now. And I feel like all I'm doing when I'm sponsoring people is I'm, I'm pitching them hope. Like that's all I'm doing. Like I'm in sales in a career, so like I'm I'm a pitch man, that's what I do and I'm good at it. But I feel like with this, like a lot of times, yeah, dude, there is some technical, like you said, where you're like teaching them how to maybe walk a certain way or like probably in the climbing analogy, like what to do here and how to put your hand here and your footing here. But for the most part, in the beginning, like first six months of recovery, it's a lot of shame cycle, right? You're trying to
2: break. Yeah, for sure. And I mean that's still something that like Totally. I mean, um, like the main things I'm working on now, like I, lust isn't a huge issue for me anymore. What I'm learning is there's so much underneath that, that I still have to deal with. And like the 12 steps works for all of that, like all those character defects. Um, so whether it's, you know, resentment or fear, or anger, or, you know, getting annoyed right. with my wife, which yep. a big struggle for me. Like I can call up my sponsor and be like, you know, just like vent to him and he'll just, he'll start laughing at me. <laughs> yeah. Like, so I'll you, be so mad, like on the verge of just like freaking out and I'll call him up and he'll just start laughing and he's like, oh, good. So you're human. That's that's good to know.
1: Yeah. Like 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 his, and you're expecting you're telling you him special. something like like groundbreaking and he's going to be like, OK, that that makes sense. And this is but really they're just like you sit back, you're like, you know, because he has a different vantage point,
0: you know, yeah. for, for those listening that aren't that don't go to ARP meetings, um, we have a lot of that don't. We, we in the church, we uh, we talk about going to any part of the country or world, and the church is the same, right? I mean, we speak a different language, but <coughs> the, the the culture of church is the same, yeah. And what's amazing is we've only been talking to each other for like 10, 15, actually 31 minutes. But dude, it's like he's hanging here in our meetings, right? i, know, like, I same like, culture, it's yeah. like, oh, you get it. You get so it. you could talk to someone anywhere in the world who's done the 12 steps, worked the sponsor, and there's that brother and sisterhood because you understand. Recovery. Just like you meet a member of the church from South America, if you can speak the same language, you're like, you get it. Yeah, you get it, right? You talk about the atonement the same. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's it's really cool hearing you because it's like you're saying the exact same things that we hear in our meetings and. But it also it brings a light truth.
1: It brings light too, though, that like you were saying in the beginning that some of these meetings are like we had someone show up who had to move from our local meeting and now that this person's in another area and it's not very far; it's only an hour away. And the meetings are just not what they could be, unfortunately. And, you know, what I always, when I hear that, when people say that, or I hear your story, I think about what, um, I didn't have any complaints for sure. In fact, I was diehard, our, our local meeting, and uh, that was because that was it. That's all I had. I had this one meeting on Thursday night that I went to, and it saved everything. It's changed my life. So to me, it was like, if you don't have something, and then when Brad gave the idea in my head that like oh what if we have one here so you don't so i thought it was like,
0: crazy that there was only one yeah
1: so people like yourself you'd say don't have to go once a week i'm like that would be awesome like to me it was like
0: i remember you saying that i remember like going, that would be awesome i remember asking you going well don't you when in the movies yeah they, they go, go like multiple times a week
1: yeah and i was too afraid to go to AA meetings because i just didn't know what like I, I i love smoking like you know the carnal yeah. side of me likes to smoke cigarettes and so I, like i was scared to go to those meetings because someone would say oh light up light up and i know just a matter of time and I, I i i've smoked several times since in my relapses and anyway so uh what i hear too is like here's this person like yourself and and just like a, this other person today in our meeting it's like go go you know and i'm sure you're already doing this but it's like go build it up like if you're listening to this podcast and you may have this similar experience where you found recovery in a secular meeting like a or na or sa or whatever the different um secular ones outside of the church that's great go to your local meeting as well and bring maybe talk maybe stay afterwards and talk to the counselors talk to the stake president you know sometimes the leaders they don't know what they're doing either and it's not their fault it's just they don't have experience in it but you can tell them what your experience is your hope is right and your faith which is the 12th step and tell them, like, hey, listen, this is what works in, in meetings outside the church and in other church meetings I may have been to. And, mm-hmm. you know, what, what well, do you have to do to change? But, but
0: here's the – you don't even need to go to the stake president level because they're, they're not – They don't really – yeah, they're not just the bishop level, right? Or, not even that. You just go – well, if, if a meeting doesn't exist. I'm saying exist, if you don't exist. It doesn't right. exist. So if a meeting exists, if you're going to meetings and they don't have sponsors or culture of sponsors, um, you, I mean, one of the things how we – one of the things I've done and you've done, too, J, is when we go speak to wards, and I and someone comes up like, "Hey, I think what you're doing great. I've got 10 years sobriety." I immediately go, "Why Brad aren't you coming? Out. Why aren't you coming to our meeting?" Yeah. And they're like, "Well, I got I dealt with that in the church culture. It's like, well, I got I took care of that 10 years ago. Yeah, I buried my weapons. I'm good." And I'm like, baloney, you need to get here because people are dying because they need your example and support. Get here." And and they look at me like, "What?" Yeah, because like that is mean? not church culture. Totally, that's like Once look. You, I repented. Like,
1: repented of your sins; it's over. And so, do you feel like that was like that up there, Trevor? Same, yeah. same I mean, everywhere,
2: except
0: an
1: SA,
2: except an SA. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, because I mean, I don't know if it's. I mean, I, I'm a Utah Mormon, so that's like the main culture I know. Yeah, but you, <laughs> like you, you do not let people know that you're a sinner. You don't. I mean, you, you know, people like dress their ultimate best on it's, Sunday. You know, on Sunday, are you, so you You never wear a blue
0: shirt to church?
2: Uh, I've worn my fair what? share of blue. Sh- oh, that's what? yeah, I totally would. Rebel? Like
1: I, I wear sandals yeah. now to church just sometimes just to see how many heads I can
2: get turned. <laughs> but no, I actually did that because if if I had acted out and I didn't want to get asked to bless oh, the sacrament yeah. or pass something, blue shirt. I'd wear a colored shirt. I'm not saying that's what anyone else does, but I'm that was totally a reason that I would do wow, it. I'm start noticing I, now in church. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Don't judge. I know, just, kidding. I'm just kidding.
1: No, it's interesting, though. But see, that's how conniving our brain, like, our disease when we're in our addiction, we go through so, like, the effort we put in to hide our sin or to hide our lies or just, you know, I'm not saying that just for you, but, like, for myself, the amount of effort I put into getting high or to, like, keeping in that chaos, if you put that into your recovery, just an ounce of that, like, your life will just radically change. Like, radically change because, like, we're so... We're all so capable as addicts. One thing I've met, uh, tons of the people I've met in recovery, I used to judge, of course, but now that I actually have recovery, I realize that, like, the outside shell means nothing. And once you start, like, learning and serving with other people, because there's people in our meetings that i have gone to other people's homes, right? Like, you know, when it gets out that you're, like, you're into helping others, guess what? Your phone starts to ring. And I've been over to, you know, I put it on Facebook. We started the podcast, and there was a friend from high school who went over there to... To try to help their 22 year old little son you know and get off heroin and it was just this it was just kind of like this like uh outer body experience watching me and my friend from arp that just a few years ago we were doing we were having people do that to us you know come over to our house and try to help us get sober and go to rehab and all these things and we wouldn't do it you know and um just ultra mercy of how it can go around i mean i'm just stoked that you found SA because think about where your life would be if you didn't find the actual 12 steps and how they're supposed to be working. Now, have you gone back since? And now going to ARP and trying to help that culture. You, where are you at now? Like,
2: yeah. So I've I've started going back. Um, not every week, but, but yeah, I've started to go back just to kind of I don't know stir the pot a little bit. Just kind of see what what people's reactions are because like yeah, I'll introduce myself. I'll say you know my name's Trevor. I'm a sex addict, and that's different. Because most guys in there, they can't say that. They'll, you know, they'll say, you know, my name's my name's John, and I struggle with an addiction to pornography. Mm. But like for me, it's so liberating to just be able to say, no, you know what? I am an addict. That's, totally. That's, that's, it's, that's just that's the reality.
0: Our, you see that in our in our meetings, Jay, is that transition or like? Yeah. Is, yeah. How, and I always ask, how do you identify yourself? Because you need to <laughs> self-identify. Yeah. So some, pa- some. I stage. was
1: one of those addicts that had the hardest time identifying. So I like, it means something to me now because I went through that same thing that you just said. I went through that whole transition that Brad was just pointing out and what you just said where it became liberating. I'll never forget the first time I really said I was an addict and meant it. I was like extremely liberated feeling. Hey, saw his face yeah, I saw face. his face there on the second. You're just
0: dark. You're just got really your dark. Hey, yeah. You,
1: you just don't have any light on. <laughs> We've been doing this whole thing, and... Oh, brother! You were you hiding your face! You liar. You lying. Here you are looking at our imperfections. Actually, I look pretty good, but I'm just kidding. Oh, um, Brad's the old guy. No, Brad's a good-looking man. Um, so, he shaved his mustache, though. I'm pretty bummed about that. He had it for, like, two weeks. Anyways, getting off topic. So, uh, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah, admitting that you're an addict. Well, I'm glad you're going there and doing that, because... Uh, I didn't think when Brad invited me to to kind of do what we're doing now, um, both with the, the local meeting getting started, you know, in our actual stake, as well as this podcast. Is like, what can one person do? You know, part of my shame cycle, right? I was like, you know, I I have already, I don't, I can't, you know, not, it's nothing I'm going to do. It's bigger than me. Well, you're right, it is bigger than me. And Heavenly Father, though, works through us, and um, you'd be surprised what one person's testimony on a weekly basis, right? Weekly basis, like. You're going to your ARP meeting weekly and sharing that you're an addict and talking about these recovery principles, the real ones like sponsorship, the step work. And if you share those things, eventually you'll, you'll be surprised. Sure. So, yeah, you I promise you, you will, because then someone's going to come to you afterwards. Hey, you keep talking about sponsor. What the heck is that? And then before you know it, you got one person you're sponsoring. And then before you know it, you got two people. And before you know it, that oh.
0: person does the steps and they go sponsor something, you know? Well, and testify, like open up the manual and say, this is based on... The twelve steps of AA. This is mm-hmm. we follow what AA is. We just put the gospel on top of it. This is what AA does. Yeah. And, this is what SA and this does. Is, and yeah. this is why it works. Yeah. So, um dude, that's huge, man. Yeah. You you have a
1: you, I don't like this like every now and then. I heard I heard you say <laughs> that's is that way you turn the light on to get honest? Or what? You yeah, like, I'm
2: shedding light on my life right now. There you
1: go. Uh, okay, man. Well, hey. I'm gonna commit you right now to go weekly if you can. Obviously, I understand we have family. You have family and kids, right? It's it's hard, but going weekly is. How's in you... their meetings, like like all over
2: the place? Oh, in yeah, Utah, right? Utah, right? On yeah, a ARP meetings. Yeah, you have no excuses then. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you just got done I... testifying. No excuses, justifications.
2: Yeah, that's true.
1: Ah, you don't like this. <laughs> He's looking away. No, uh, no, I think it's good that. And what I'm trying to say is, Trevor. Just like you, I mean, just talking to you, I could tell obviously that you get the program, you get how it works. You're not a newbie. You're you're someone that is is well versed in the way you explain your recovery, mm-hmm. you, the way you um, you put it all into the analogy of the climbing and having someone in front of you. If you took all that and what you're doing now is a huge step because I mean, this is being aired across the world, right? And we actually yeah. have I can't believe still this day, <laughs> that how many countries are listening, and we don't even know the I don't know if soul in that country or state. But the point is, is imagine what you could do in your local meeting as well. Because that, I mean, seriously, when we started this meeting here in in Laguna Niguel, I was like, man, if just one other person comes besides me, Brad and my wife, then I'll be stoked. And, you know, there was one guy that did, a couple guys that did come. And you know what? Those couple guys are now running their own meetings, you know? And those guys not only got recovery for themselves, but they started this. They helped take it to their stake. And now they're sponsoring 20-something, you know, and they're helping families and they're, they're called to the work now you know and and they're the lord when the 12 step comes active in your life like that i'm sure you already know this but um for those of you listening um it's a lot easier to keep the commandments when you're busy you know and that's yeah. a good thing you know when you're busy doing the lord's work and so if you feel like you're kind of in a rut not you you trevor but other people listening you know take take it upon yourself to to go help your local pick a meeting that's going to be your meeting it's going to be your home meeting and serve it just like you see in the book of mormon where these guys went and labored in there in these areas and then who knows you may convert the whole village right
0: yeah this, for this sure is, this is the modern mission field it's and you get a and you get to go and even and in utah you get to be in the mission yeah that, like <laughs> you, when you go to california you say we're moving to the mission field we got interviewed
1: on a podcast pretty recently <laughs> did you hear that on a show uh the, the, the cultural, cultural hall, hall? Uh uh-uh. okay so there's have you ever heard of that it's
0: there in utah It's a guy from you listen to x96 radio yeah i do so uh, Richie Stedman, he's the producer, I guess, of the morning oh, show. Yeah.
1: Okay, he called us up. He called and reached out. And we we were we were featured on like last week or two weeks ago, two weeks ago now. Probably. And uh, it was what I'm getting at. Well, first of all, he's awesome. Definitely go yeah, to check out red. the Cultural Hall. It's an awesome yeah. podcast. He's tons of controversial things, but like good stuff to supporting the church. Yeah, so it was yeah. awesome to be on, but. For right out of his mouth, he goes, oh, we said, where are you we from? And he goes, oh, you're in the mission field, like California. <laughs> but he gets the joke. Yeah, he gets the joke, yeah. yeah. So that's why I was saying it back to you. It was a roundabout way. Hey,
0: couple yeah. questions for you. SA, so yeah. um, is it culturally, like, uh, sobriety typically is from drugs, alcohol. Is that a term that SA embraces as well? There's sobriety acting from out. acting out?
2: Yeah, so sobriety, The I mean, the SA meetings that I go to, they have a very strict definition. It says um, sobriety is no sex with self or partners other than one spouse, and progressive victory over lust.
0: Okay, that's awesome. Say that again, so people can hear that. What is the (laughs) definition of sobriety? Yeah, give the definition of sobriety because I feel like, like you said, there's a lot of
1: people listening.
2: Yeah, so it's um, no sex with self or with any partner other than one spouse, and progressive victory over lust. And so that that second one, the progressive victory over lust, that's the real recovery that's real sobriety because not having sex like that's i mean that's one that's one step but progressive victory over lust is where you know you're you're not checking out the girls running down the street anymore you know you're not glancing at the the models in the billboard ad you're you're not looking for those little lust hits that that feed the addiction that build up until you end up acting out little little drops of dopamine
0: romancing the the you mentioned Roman-
1: romanticizing, yeah. like the drug or the pill or the or the girl. The yeah, or like, girl. Yeah, yep. um,
0: yeah, And then you mentioned about um, some of the uh, a weak area for your meetings, and I've seen this in a few, is where people, when they share, they share their testimony of mm-hmm. A, B, and C. Instead of sharing, the purpose of sharing is about the step, either the step that was shared about or the step that you're working on. Yeah. And, and these are step meetings. So each week's a different step. So we're either talking about that step and how that, how that relates to your sobriety, or you may be working on a different step and you share about that step, as opposed to saying your testimony of the church or of some gospel principle.
2: Yeah, definitely. Like, I mean, one of the, uh, for me, one of the main reasons I want to go is because I want to hear how this is working in other people's lives. Totally. And so if, if, you know, we're, I don't know, you know, pick a step. If you're, going over step one, you know, being, being honest, being powerless, recognizing that you're powerless over your, over your addiction, like being able to hear someone that's, you know, in recovery or even someone that's struggling. Like if, if I can go to a meeting and listen to someone who's like, maybe they just relapsed. Like the pain is so fresh. Like you can just feel the, the pain, the, the, the sorrow, the shame that they feel, um, being able to hear that and knowing that they're like, you know what? I screwed up so bad, but I know that, you know, as I apply this first step, as I admit my powerlessness, then, you know, I'm going to be able to get back on track. Like, that's so powerful. And so being able to, like, hear discussions on the steps, being able to hear how people are applying them or how they, how they've blessed them, but, like, tying it back to the steps. And, I mean, I do love when people talk about, like, you know, incorporating the Savior and how, you know, the, the power of the atonement, things like that, like, that's I, I love hearing about that, but like when I go to meetings, like I need to hear like some more kind of substantive stuff of what, what can I actually do? Like what can I actually do to make sure that I'm not going to open up my laptop and look at porn? Yeah, and it's it's not just thinking about the savior. What you are know, there's there's got to be some other steps, other other things I can do.
0: What are some very practical things that you do? Because uh, I was talking to a gentleman tonight and. Um, he's like, I can't actually listen to your podcast because I don't have access. I'm like, you got an iPhone 7. He's like, well, no, I don't have a bunch of apps on it. My wife has control. And so I yeah. listen when she, let, when she plays the app. What are some very practical things? Um, like, Jay, you mentioned you, you don't go to an AA meeting because of the cigarettes. Like, you just know that you, you have different limits than I have. Yeah. And <laughs> what are some practi- very practical limits that you have placed that some and I know some dudes probably are not willing to make the sacrifice you're saying and they're still living with their addiction and they have excuse A, B and C. But what are some practical things that you can't, that you choose not to do that help you live in sobriety?
2: Yeah. So, um, uh, okay. The first thing that popped into my head was actually, this is my cell phone. It's a, it is a smartphone. Um, I had a So, Um, I had a smartphone before I started dating my wife. And then when we were getting engaged, she asked me if I would give up my smartphone because it's so, I mean, there's porn right here. You know, if you have internet access, it's two seconds away. And so she asked me if I'd give it up and I did. And so for, I don't, I can't think of how long it is, but. um, Hey, you went dark again. (laughs) Yeah, my light just turned off. I like looking at you.
1: I know. I (laughs) felt like I was actually talking to you.
2: But, uh, so you gave up your smartphone, I I gave up my smartphone and then, um, for Christmas this past year. So I've been sober for, you know, a few years now. Um, and for Christmas this year, my wife gave me a smartphone because she, she's building up her trust. But the thing is, um, it's an iPhone. And so I don't have a search engine on my, on my smartphone. And that's just, I mean, it, it sucks a lot of the time. But it's you know it's keeping me safe. It's also keeping my relationship with my wife safe. Um, I also have a filter on my computer that I don't think it ever really gets triggered. But you know it's there. Um, Do you I use social media?
0: Go, Do you use Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, anything like that?
2: Um, I have a Facebook, and I got on it to message you guys. Um, that's about it. So I don't I don't use social media. Um, a lot of guys talk about that being a uh, trigger. It's been a trigger for me oh, in the past for sure. You
0: should see just I run the uh, I'm on the Instagram page for the next Step podcast. I've seen more porn just because of that. People oh, wanting
1: oh. to be our friends. Oh, like, it's like, like fake accounts, right? Those yeah. those hook accounts that are trying to like bait you in.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's crazy. So like, yeah. And I, I don't surf the Internet anymore. Like if, if I have to look something up, then I'll look it up. But if I'm just like bored, I don't just like randomly cruise through the internet because that's way dangerous. Yeah. Um.
0: What movie, another thing. What about movies? Go to movies or watching movies? Um,
2: I let's see. My wife and I went and saw a movie called Tim Timmerman. Uh, it was pretty much a local movie. I don't know if it got released anywhere. Only, we out
1: only airing time. in Utah, probably. <laughs> Never heard yeah. of that.
2: But but so okay. So what we do is, <sighs> if we're going to watch a movie, we'll use a filter. On the movie okay. so my wife will you know she'll log in and she'll What'd check you, out the movie see what's gonna be in it and she'll
0: what do you use because clean flicks or whatever
2: got oh, taken you, away you're talking about like looking it up prior like a review before well you said a filter. so oh. she'll check uh, she'll go to like imdb.com because yeah. they get pretty clear details of you know why it's rated yeah uh-huh. um but there's also there's a company called vid angel
0: yeah is that still huge, a going uh,
2: um No. Okay. VidAngel was awesome. Yeah, they're in litigation and hopefully it settles in VidAngel's favor. Yeah. Um, Hollywood doesn't like them. That's that's how we would watch movies is filtered because it's it's just not worth it to me to like be exposed to. I mean, even like quick little glimpses like that are. Oh, another thing. I don't watch TV. That was super hard for me. Like when we got married, we just didn't get TV. And it was way hard because I love, oh, there's so many TV shows that I love watching. Mm. And a lot of TV shows are okay, but commercials, like, I don't know what's going to come up. Mm. And so I just stopped watching TV. Dude, you're very devoted. I mean, you're very hardcore. But, but like Jay, it. you do
0: the same thing, though. Totally. Like, you self, like, um, <laughs> yeah. you, you go get an, uh, surgery. Yeah. Like, you had m- d- dental surgery, right? Yeah. You're like, I can't get prescribed A, B, and C. Like, there's certain, once that door's been open, your life is altered, Pretty um, much, yeah. I can't have a
1: mind-altering substance like, even even like, there's even been like some stuff that's like over-the-counter stuff that I can't even have. You know, like I mean, there's some some pre-workout that I was taking for a while it was, like super addicting because I mean if we're talking like massive amounts of caffeine and other drugs that are in it.
0: But Trevor, you don't seem miserable. Like it seems like
2: yeah,
1: you're, you're really happy, even though like, like you're, you're smell- not like oh I haven't watched TV. Life sucks. I can't the get whole time. Instagram. for those you can't see Trevor he's talking. You can hear it in his voice, but. He's smiling the whole time. Luckily, yeah. he turned his light on, and shared his face with us. But um, he's like smiling while you're saying it. Like, that was pretty cool. To like, yeah, I've sacrificed this, this, and this. And I'm, you like, you're like, you're stoked about it. You're like, this is worth it for my family. Did it freeze? Uh-oh. Our internet froze.
0: All right, technical difficulties. We're back on.
1: We're back on. Okay, so what I was saying, Trevor, I don't know where I cut out. But basically, I was saying, you sacrifice all these things, and yet you're really happy. That's awesome. So if, if any of you guys are listening and you want to get into recovery, but you're like, oh, I don't want to get off the internet or I don't want to have fun. Trevor has gotten off everything. You pretty much live like a modern day monk, but yet <laughs> in the world and not of the world. And I love it.
0: Oh, did you see the picture of him hiking in the snow? No,
1: that's the cool part is like you're like man. most people, most addicts think like, oh, I'm going to have to like live in this shelter. You know, I'm going to be bored. Like you look super happy.
2: Like when you. Well, yeah. Anyways, go on. No, I am super happy, but. I got to be honest, like it sucks a lot of the time. Yeah. And like, it's the reality. Like I, sometimes I want to go watch Seinfeld Yeah, and I don't have TV. And so I don't, and it sucks. And like, sometimes sacrifice, right? What
0: sucks? What sucks worse? Have
2: being married or not? Yeah. Seriously. Having a wife that's mad at you, not having, you know, not being able to be with my wife, Yeah. like being in the addiction, not being sober. Like, so, I mean, I remember so clearly like the feeling of, when I'd wake up, like, you know, after I'd acted out, I'd wake up in the morning the next day and just just this the, the worst feeling in my gut of just total shame, total just so like, worse. what did I just do? Why? Why did I do that again for the, you know, billionth time? Why did I do it again? And I don't have to do that anymore. And if that means that I'm not going to watch TV. Um, oh, well, sometimes like sometimes my wife and I if, like we're at a family member's house. We'll watch like a, a yeah, good yeah. show. Yeah. But like, I'm super like commercials come on. I get really interested in the carpet. Like <laughs> I just, I just control my eyes and like, it does suck a lot of the time and it's hard. Um, it's inconvenient, you know, to not have like the internet on my phone, but somehow people did that. You know, people survive <laughs> not having the internet on their phone before this. So and like get it, 25 it's 25
0: years worse. without that.
1: Yeah, old old guys like Brad, like (laughs) most of his his life has been without the freaking internet. (laughs) Like it's for us is like, mm, it's like a little bit not had the internet in my childhood. I'm good. whole life. All
0: right. Okay, so let's, 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 I want some advice from you. Like there's, let's say there's some dudes listening or for that matter, ladies. Females,
1: dudes, doesn't matter. They heard your,
0: they heard your description of being uh, what non sobriety is. If you're um, having sex with yourself with someone besides your wife or obsessing on lust or what was that last one? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Just giving into lust. So giving progressive in. victory over lust is a part of sobriety.
0: So, so they're like check, check and check. Give, give, uh, some straight talk advice to
2: this person. Um, have hope. Know that, that you can get sober and not just sober, you can actually get in recovery. Like you can be completely happy. And all you have to do is work, the, is work the steps. You have to actually work them, though. Like, you have to get someone that's going to... If they need to, hold your hand and walk you through them because sometimes the steps can be really hard. They can be really painful sometimes. But Heavenly Father inspired those 12 steps for a reason. It's because they work. And so if, if you're in that spot where your life is a living hell, um, know that there's hope. Know that you can be happy. And, I mean... The 12 steps are the steps to get there. So you got to go to meetings, you know, find, go to meetings, find a sponsor and just, I mean, be honest. You know, if if you're on the verge of acting out, tell someone, you know, it, that's one of the hardest things to do is like, you know, you open up your computer and then make a call. Like almost no one can do that. But if you can, that shows so much humility and so much faith that, I mean, it's my, it's my belief that showing that much faith, Heavenly Father will do a miracle right there. And, you know, if you, if you reach out to someone, you call someone, you're like, I'm, I'm going to act out like right now. And you just tell them like, sharing that is so powerful and Heavenly Father is going to bless you and help you. If you can be humble like that, if you can be honest like that, and it's super scary, but that's what it takes. And it works. Like it's crazy. It works. So, I mean, yeah, go to meetings, get a sponsor, work the steps and be honest. And just, it's gonna be scary. It's gonna be painful at times, but you're gonna be able to be happy. And that's, like that the scripture says, men are that they might have joy. Like that's why Heavenly Father, I mean, that's why that's one of the reasons why we're here is to be happy. And the,
1: the, the, the rough times
2: are worth the reward is what you're saying, right?
0: And how's For the relationship sure. with your wife now?
2: It's good. Um, We fight, which is actually okay. Little tangent. I used to never be able to fight because I was high on my drug all the time, so nothing bothered me. Like someone could like scream at me, and I'd just go home and act out, and it wasn't a big deal. But now, like, I actually feel stuff. Mm -hmm. Like I feel anger and frustration and joy, and like I'll get like teary-eyed watching. Like on uh, this Sunday, we had um, they were showing some video clips that like really touched me and i got all teary i like i didn't used to be like that i used to just be numb because i was always you know consuming my drug and so yeah things with my wife are awesome because i can actually like express my emotion with her and we can have real conversations like i can like tell her that i'm struggling with stuff and we can talk about it and that couldn't have happened if i wasn't in recovery i'd still be living you know a lie where i don't tell anyone anything but.
0: that's awesome. And then the the last challenge I'd give is if you identify as maybe a sex addict, you don't have to go to a sex essay or a men's only pornography. Everything you just said is whether is the same symptoms if you're a cocaine addict, alcoholic, heroin addict, pill, whatever the addiction, it's all the same. And everyone, Jay, am I correct in this? That when they start off, they think their addiction is unique. Terminally, terminally unique. My, my addiction is different than your addiction. So my recovery is going to be different. And, yeah. and the 12 steps work for any of that stuff.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, like it, it says in ARP, like it's the 12 steps to change. That's right. It's not just recovery from addiction. Like you have a problem with anger or whatever. It, it works for that too. Awesome.
0: Hey, Trevor, it's late. We're tired. You're tired.
1: You're the man, dude. Thank you so much for being on here and for reaching out. Thanks for having me, guys. You definitely hey, inspired Hope and, and keep doing what you're doing and go to that ARP meeting, light the fire. Yeah, you're, you're, I'm telling you, man, you have a gift of, of, yes. of speech, so, you know, go use it. I will. Okay, have a good night, man.
2: Later, dude. Okay, peace out, guys. Bye. Later.